Once again, to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike Wan, co-host also Mike. In a moment, another Oscar race checkpoint as we go around the world of film festivals and previews and updates and news and bankruptcy filings, quite frankly, is uh, sadly how we're going to start off this episode, Michael. Yeah, unfortunately, Cineworld is preparing to file bankruptcy, and we were going to attack this episode over the weekend for you guys, and I had lost my voice, your back blew out, we just had all these things happen to us physically, I think I had heat stroke for a day, (laughs) it was... It was not great, and, and unfortunately, we missed out on our week, our usual weekend recording. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm glad to be you know playing some hooky with you until all new news drops, and of course you know it just stumps all this stuff or trumps all this stuff. I try not to use that term anymore since mm-hmm. the last. I guess since 2016, for some reason, I can't put my finger on. No, <laughs> it I big leagues all this news that we have. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hopefully, we don't yeah. get this news big leagued, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun news that I think we made funner somehow uh, after this first story. Right, and uh, that's where we will start. Is I guess it's not as doom and gloom as it sounds, but yes, Cineworld is preparing to file for bankruptcy. At least they're saying they're analyzing it. It's on the table, et cetera, et cetera. The, the main point is they have not filed yet, but it looks like it's trending in that direction. This is the world's second largest theater chain. They're the owner of Regal Cinemas based in the UK, and it looks like they are going to file for Chapter 11. Yeah, just in case they wanted to let the world know that they're probably going to file for bankruptcy just so that their, 80, you know, their stock could go down 80% and plummet <laughs> right. over over <laughs> no i think i think they're gonna file and uh it looks like one of those happy bankruptcies mike one of the good ones mm-hmm. just so you know <laughs> uh so yeah nobody fear they're not gonna fire anybody no uh no employee will be sacked nothing uh, to see here nothing yeah. to see here we're, ju- we're gonna keep business as usual and essentially this is going to be one of those chapter 11s just that just allows them to restructure their finances at the biggest theater chain in the world Theaters are back, baby. Uh, <laughs> Matt Bellany did report uh, for Puck News there that August was horrible for cinema and overall theaters are on track to do $7 billion total in revenue for 2022, which is still going to be down at least a third from the 2019 numbers. Never mind, obviously, the sharp declines that uh, 2020 and 2021 brought us with COVID. Mm-hmm. We need innovation. I mean, you know. Whether you're quoting Brad Pitt from Moneyball or Triple H as the head of evolution in the early 2000s in WWE (laughs) or what I've said many times here, independent of those two, all three equally good-looking men that I'm quoting, you got to adapt or die in this space somehow. And I think theaters are still badly in need of some kind of innovation. I don't disagree, but right now we're putting our hopes in that Cineworld could be like Apple, GM, Chrysler, Marvel Entertainment, Mm -hmm. Six Flags, Texaco, Sabaro. They have all filed for chapter 11 and come back stronger so look power rank those brands (laughs) sarcasm aside though the hope is that this is not a death knell that this is some kind of functioning chapter 11 and that you know the biggest chain in the world does not go out of business mike yeah i mean the only way that amc stayed alive 
seemingly through the pandemic was because of the meme stock thing, mm-hmm. which was a, a, a golden parachute, basically. It was this lifeboat that AMC, it seemed like they, I mean, they were raising, trying to raise equity, trying to raise capital. And at the last second, they had this meme stock thing, which opened up their pockets a lot. But they're, after this uh, news hit that, that Cineworld's going to file Chapter 11, AMC's stock went down. Cineworld's stock went down 80%, like you said. It's been a, it's been a hit all throughout the theater chain revenue sources. Yeah, it doesn't look good, but they bought a gold mine, AMC, so mm-hmm. that should get them right back to even, I would say, <laughs> even though they have $5 billion dead. No, look, I mean, we, we've been upset over the goings-on in the theater-going world for a while. We've been afraid to kind of join the parade, necessarily, mm-hmm. that theaters are back. Can you imagine if Top Gun didn't do what Top Gun's done right. this year? No, it, it, it would be doom and gloom, but yes, theaters are going back towards profitability as we've you know we've covered i think it was three weeks ago we covered the earnings reports from cinemark etc you know they have to do better in quarter three to hopefully show a profit finally that'll be one of the first profits since the pandemic started so that'll be good and then of course quarter four is starting out terribly in august so that will not be good we're just going to be going on a roller coaster for a little bit, I think, unfortunately. But look, Mike, Movie Pass is coming back. Uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, eat your heart out. They got a beta list. They're going to have $10, $20, and $30 subscription options. They won't have the unlimited option yet, but not for the beta version anyway, according to Deadline. But subscription movie going is back from so, movie pass i mean one of the most underrated things in the movie review space right now is that dan merle if you go on his youtube account to watch any of his stuff behind he's got a nice setup but behind him he has his original movie pass credit card in a frame on a stand behind him <laughs> which is hilarious every time i look at it but okay amc's got the lead here right mike amc's got the lead because they got capital whether however they got it they they do have capital but a list is success i mean there's a lot of people that enjoy a list yes absolutely so the hope is that a lot of other people enjoy a list sparingly and that they're making money on a list <laughs> and hopefully they're making money on the popcorn and the concessions cuz let's be honest i mean that, that matters so yeah I, I look i don't think i've abused my a list i go i go a lot i just you know i try to order as much concessions as possible out of guilt out of sheer guilt and hope for the industry? No, no. They're a multi-billion dollar organization. You should go there and try to steal popcorn. Never mind. No. Don't well, feel guilty about that. I, like, they got me. They got me. Uh, I'm not buying the meme stock, but they got my you know old Catholic Christian guilt uh, centers working. But look, at I think I think MoviePass is trying to do something with this beta list where they got this you know, online, uh, the online waiting list, Michael, this weekend that's hitting. So we're going to get news about this wait list, first come, first serve, and we're going to get news about how many people are on the wait list to get this thing that is supposedly, MoviePass is going to go live in September. Can you believe this? I like that one of the quotes here from the article on Deadline from Stacy Spikes, who's uh, one of the co-founders of MoviePass, was, we're going to make mistakes. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing, they'll be sending out a mass email about uh, a friend from Wakanda who had his bank account stolen. <laughs> you just need to send him $1,000, please. <laughs> If you do Good. that, yeah, they just get God. your email. Are you more sick of Friday the Thirteenth sequels or Movie Pass sequels at this point? Like neither <laughs> one has it will die. <laughs> right. Ah, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if this is going to work, Michael. I'm going to go out on a limb 
and say, I'm not quite sure about this investment There's got to be a way that it does work, right? If what you are you just... talking about? If you take a $12 <laughs> product, but you only charge and, – and then you can allow people to take and buy three $12 products, but you only charge them $10 a month. It's not going to well, work. Ten, yeah, ten dollars a month is ridiculous, and we all <laughs> that didn't make sense from the get go. So but unless it's like, one movie ticket a month, you can't have a ten dollar option. It makes no <laughs> right, sense. I agree. But if you do like thirty bucks a month to see to do the A list thing, but spread it out to any theater you want, that's. I mean, there's got to be a path towards at least viability with that. I would it think. It better I don't be know. three matinee tickets. Yeah. <laughs> non premium <laughs> screens. No popcorn. Nothing. Just sit there. Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, and movie pass. You sit can't there them. and like it. Right, we'll continue with some industry news. Uh, we're going to discuss some fallout from WB here. If you want our fuller discussion, please go back to our last episode, WTFWB. We're still probably a little punch drunk from getting that episode out of our lives. That's why we have the goofs and the laughs so much and so early today. But to update the WB news, there was a lot of glad handing over House of Dragons reception after its premiere this past weekend. Uh, David Zaslav even wrote a congratulatory email to all of his employees after the critic scores were published. One of the big things Zaslav focused on that we didn't talk about in the shareholders meeting was how uh, House of Dragon, House of the Mm -hmm. Dragon, Bruce Lee, one of the (laughs) biggest, if not the biggest marketing campaign that HBO has ever had under its hat. Uh, And House of Dragon ads were everywhere, anywhere, whether you were watching Turner over this past weekend, whether you were watching HBO, whether you signed on to HBO Max, you saw House of Dragon everywhere. And it seemed to have paid off. 360 critics on Rotten Tomatoes reviewed the series at 85% fresh. There's an early 89% audience score as well. I did not watch this, obviously. Michael, you are a Game of Thrones guy. (laughs) What did you think of the House of Dragon debut? Well, I would say they sucked me back in. You know, I, I could give an Al Pacino quote from a certain third mm-hmm. movie in a trilogy. I'm not going to do woman. that. Yes. Right. Uh, scent of a Woman 3, Schmelly <laughs> Lady. Wow. A this smaller is... courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> we know the stakes of Game of Thrones. They're all after the throne. And I did not expect to get sucked in so thoroughly, so quickly, but here I am connecting to all these characters. I I don't know which one I want to win. I read the darn book, the history book, the illustrated one that George R. R. Martin released for like $50. I bought it opening day. I think I pre-ordered it. I looked at all the pictures once. I read it once. I don't remember who wins. To my joy, Michael, I forget the ending. So now I can enjoy this entire season and all these series, and I don't know who's winning the Dance of Dragons, which was what it was called, you know, when all these dragons basically fought each other, because we have 10 dragons in play at least right now, Michael, and we have all these Targaryens who fly these friggin' dragons. They all want to become the successor to this wimpy king, uh, and I don't know who's going to take over. It's great. Is this a this is a prequel? Prequel. So it's 172 years before the birth of uh, Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, I was going to say, if it's any sooner than 171, then I won't watch it. <laughs> I, I like. I know we're supposed to be optimistic and happy. I wanted so badly this to suck. <laughs> You want the world to burn, Dracaris. No, I think I think the, the show was great. It was really gross, by the way. It was extra bloody. I don't know if they're going to keep doing that. I did see that. that, yeah. That was disgusting. Like, really gross on both sides. Uh, good guys, bad guys, etc. Uh, we, we, we got to see a lot of dragons, though. We got to see a jousting tournament, which was crazy. I mean, it was better 
than what we had at the last duel for for Christ's sake. I mean, it was wow. really awesome. They did a wonderful job with that sequence, which shows you how far the series and the brand has come because they tried to do one of those sequences in the first season of Game of Thrones, and it was like 20 people there going, yay! And here you got, <laughs> I mean, it looks like this full stadium packed with people. Whether it was CGI or not, I don't know. It was great. Yeah, well, like we said, I mean, HBO has definitely poured a lot of money into the production and the marketing of this. This is going to be one of their shining examples. And David Zasloff, for as much as he's cutting and talking about, you know, saying all the things that either scare you or give you hope, he seems to be firmly behind the House of Dragon as one of his centerpieces and jewels to make the HBO. And it fits right in line. If you go back and listen to our last episode, it fits right in line as to how Zasloff does see HBO and HBO Max. He wants it to be and stay premier television. And uh, this sounds like it's going to be right up there alongside Game of Thrones uh, as its precursor, even though this is the prequel to the precursor. Did you just call it Games of Throne? You keep... This is the most I'll care about this story. You should watch it. (laughs) I I won't do that. I will not. Uh, All right. (laughs) And uh, speaking of things I may not watch, our final industry news of the uh, look, the HFPA, I guess they did enough according to NBC because the Golden Globes are reportedly returning to NBC according to Scott Feinberg asterisk. Right. Apparently they are, quote, zeroing in on a Tuesday January 10th date, unquote, despite being traditionally held on the first Sunday of January. But since that is New Year's uh, on the 2023 calendar, and since the second Sunday is the last week of the NFL, and the third is the Critics' Choice, and the fourth Sunday is the seventh day of that particular week, (laughs) translation is it's a much cheaper deal for NBC here in the HFPA, so they can do Tuesday. It makes sense if NBC is like, well, we'll bring you back, but we're not paying you as much as we usually do. If that is, I don't know how that contract, if it's been adjusted, if it's been renegotiated. Oh, it's been adjusted. I would think so. Right. I would think as well. But who knows if we'll ever get the light of day on that. But okay, we have subsequent reports. Why I say it's an asterisk. Deadline, et cetera, all the other trades said that the move is not yet set in stone, but Scott Feinberg chose his words, as always, very carefully. Go and read his exclusive over there at The Hollywood Reporter. The gist of it seems to be that as long as the public and the industry doesn't revolt in a full-on backlash of this move, the Globes will return. Mike, have the HFPA done enough in your eyes to uh, win you back as a viewer? No, right? I mean, that's the... Not me. That's where we're at right now. We... We forgave the Oscars, mm-hmm. we forgave the Emmys, we forgave the BAFTAs. None of them have been riddled with quite the level of scandal and corruption and certainly you know, problems in terms of inclusion and representation like the HFPA. This is extreme levels of just boxing people out for decades. It also, there was also the BAFTAs, the Oscars, there was tangible changes immediately. And the HFPA has been, whether it's financially driven, whether it's, you know, we, we, we saw how they were just purchased out or to themselves, essentially. We talked about that a couple ORC news shows ago, yeah. but maybe they couldn't, maybe they were frozen, they couldn't make any moves. But there there seems to be this triteness, this arrogance-ness still coming from the HFPA over this that they, to me, I don't know how they've changed all that much. They added 20 members. They've... They've gone through all of this oversight. They've worked with all these PR machines. They basically hired a new CEO, interim CEO, who then bought the company Mm -hmm. six months later and made it a for-profit enterprise. And we've been going over their invitations to Fibreski and other Mm -hmm. 
you know, non-U.S. based journalists of, uh, you know, full of international film critics and journalists to hopefully vote at this year's award show and apply for future membership. But as far as we know, the 84 old white members are probably still there. They shuffle around the leadership to an extent, but there's still the same people there. How much did they, did Todd Bowley and company change this organization yet? We don't really know. And it is frustrating that they're being let in so quickly. The problem with our entire apparatus here is that this is such a kickoff for award season. So mm-hmm. how do we not cover it? Like, what do you and I do? Like, we have to watch this shit. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Unless we want to just follow it on Twitter and treat it like we did last year. I don't know, but... I'm kind of disappointed in NBC. I think they broke. I I was expecting more of a stance from them. But then again, if you do go back and you listen to what we said last covering this story, we said that if NBC is going to say that this show is going to come back, they were going to have to make that announcement within the next month or so. So they seem to know that as well. And here we go. It seems to be in the works. So I I wish somebody else took their place. That's what I wish happened. I wish these guys got filtered out. They got... They got terminated, and somebody like the HCA Awards or something wrote in, and they became the new. They got a broadcast deal, and we went with somebody else. Give me, give me a new board. Give me a new membership. Yeah, I'd like to pay attention to the history and the nine, you know, the the seventy five years previous or whatever. But sometimes it's it's just a fireable offense, right? I, I, I wish we got rid of them. I, I am. Leaning that way, certainly myself. But again, as always, actions speak louder than words. There's still time. Maybe they'll have some kind of giant mea culpa on the day. I mean, we were offended two years ago when uh, the HFPA put on the Golden Globes once that report came out. And there was barely a mention of anything other than like a three-minute. Oh, it was laughable. It was laughable. And and we're not even the ones that matter to be offended. Like we're just we're just allies in this. To to, you know, we can't. We can't fathom what other people are going through, mm-hmm. knowing that you know they they follow this as closely as we do and love it so much, and we got these problems that are just insidious. So they didn't change enough in our minds, and we're wondering now what the hell, how the hell we should approach it. Let us know, guys. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah, know how to deal with absolutely. it. Absolutely sucks. All right, trying to turn the corner. Maybe a happier times. Maybe not. If you read the tea leaves, we'll talk about some Oscar movie news here, and we'll start with Amsterdam, which is a movie I've had certainly huge high hopes for, but David O. Russell's Amsterdam, it's going to skip film festivals it was announced this year. It will get an October 7th theatrical release date, which is a month earlier than its originally set November 4th theatrical release date. Okay, so I know you were very worried about this last week when news broke, but I did some research and we have seen some 20th century searchlight slash Disney movies uh, that have bigger budgets and that w- you know would wind up being Oscar contenders, eschew the and skip the film festivals in our past. Michael, we saw it just last year, for example, where West Side Story from 20th Century and Nightmare Alley. I think maybe it got like a some connected AFI uh, premieres or some other, something other towards the end. But those were both something that skipped the festivals. David O. Russell's last two films, Joy and American Hustle, they skipped the fests, hmm. uh, even though they were released in December. And something in common for all four of those movies are their budgets. They got like these mid to upper mid budgets. West Side Story was 100, Nightmare Alley 60, American Hustle 40, Joy was 60, and Amsterdam here, I think it was... Uh, 
I think it's another around $60, $70 million budget. So Disney in the past, it's been a strategy for them, especially when they have a named filmmaker and a named cast, just skip the festivals altogether. Interesting. Well, that does give me a a little more hope, but it, it again, falls back to how are people going to receive a David O. Russell film? How are people going to receive David O. Russell in general? I maybe this is a, a ploy on the part of to, to keep the David O. Russell and keep the cast out of interviews and out of red carpets and out of film festivals and Q and A's and stuff like that. Maybe that's how the studio is leaning on this. And that's the Genesis behind this idea. Maybe they do know. think they have an Oscars player on their hands. I don't know. I, I I'm still excited for it, but I, my expectations have certainly been tempered down a bit. I, I enjoyed the trailer. I know some people are down on it. I thought the trailer was fun. I don't know. I, I it was funny. It was funny. We, yeah. we were laughing. We we had fun with the trailer. So I'm hoping it's good. And and David O. Russell's been a been a strong filmmaker in the past. Obviously, the stories surrounding him that keep coming out more and more. The more he makes films, they're really twisted. Not good. And, and if they're yeah. tr- and if they're true, <laughs> you're right. Maybe people at you know the press at film festivals. He he doesn't want to field all those questions. Yeah, you know, could be. And they're, they're avoiding that. You, you could be right, which is dirty pool in our opinion if that's the case and it'll be interesting to see how the i mean if it is an academy worthy film you know how those stories are going to rear their heads at some point if the longer the legs are on this movie during award season so yeah. we'll see how that is all handled to come certainly something we'll be commenting on and keeping our eye on uh, as far as the oscars stage goes we have four countries that have made their best international film selections south korea maybe not so surprisingly has chosen park chan wook's decision to leave Right, Park Chan Wook won the Best Director Award, I uh, I believe. I think uh, I think this was chosen over Hirokazu Kurita's Broker. Uh, that was a South Korean production, even though it's from a Japanese filmmaker in Kurita. So this is a notable win. Hunt was also in in play here. Uh, we, we we knew that South Korea had a very strong slate, so for them to make a decision this early, mm. you gotta wonder what this means now for Broker and Song Kang Ho's Oscar chances. Last year, this did not affect Penelope Cruz from Parallel Mothers, even though her film was uh, not selected by Spain right as their national representative, international feature tabbed film there. We had her husband, Javier Bardem, get a film in there. I forget the name of it. It wasn't selected, obviously, in the top ten or shortlisted. So we have Park Chan-wook coming off the can momentum. And I, I there's been some debate whether or not Broker is eligible in Japan. I do not think so. So the, the question becomes, can that find some momentum elsewhere? It would be a fun story if that did get in on the uh, Japan selection, though to have that go presumably those would be two of the leaders in the category i i just think it was a south korean production so yeah. it doesn't matter i mean it, you know we have you know uh, denis villeneuve could could he's a canadian director mm-hmm. but he can make an american film it doesn't right. matter you know right right probably would seem to be that uh, that wouldn't get in but uh moving on to other countries here ireland chose the quiet girl which the premise for this reads set in 1981 the film follows a withdrawn nine-year-old girl who experiences a loving home for the first time when she spends the summer on a farm with distant relatives in rin gale tact county waterford <laughs> switzerland chose a piece of sky from michael koch uh, in a remote mountain village anna tries to pre- preserve her young love for marco against all odds and then from taiwan michael we have goddamned assura <laughs> i 
I like this premise, too. A horror crime drama. It's already won four awards on the regional festival circuit. Goddamned Asura has a premise that reads, During the night of his 18th birthday, John Wen commits a random shooting in a oh crowded God. night market. Oh, scary. Yeah. Goddamned Asura. Why not? <laughs> Terrifying. Something we can use in jokes all throughout the Oscars lead up. Uh, yeah, for a very serious premise that will be inappropriate about, apparently. But it's funny. All right, look at uh, Good luck to you, Leo Grant was granted Oscars eligibility by the Academy, Michael. According to Ann Thompson at IndieWire, she covered this uh, for. for from several different angles, but the overriding thought was that this was a COVID exception, and that puts into play Emma Thompson for for lead actress, Daryl McCormick. I don't know if it'll be supporting actor fraud, category fraud there, but Daryl mm. McCormick was excellent as well. And and now we have you know reporting that Searchlight applied for the special COVID selection, and they got in for good luck to you, Leo Grant. Yes, Ann Thompson went on to explain that Searchlight did complete a qualifying theatrical run for Leo Grand in the UK. That's going to make it eligible for BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice, and the PGA Awards. Uh, ultimately, the Academy granted Searchlight this COVID exception after Searchlight proved to them that they had plans to release it in the U.S. as well theatrically, which was one of the exceptions we talked about two years ago, I think, at this point, in mm -hmm. terms of what the Academy was doing. I didn't realize those exceptions were still open to 2022 films, but, uh, you know, live and learn. Here you are. Leo Grant does uh, become eligible for Oscars nominations. Mike, you've seen the film. You've commented on it. You are high on it. A lot of people are giving Emma Thompson a lot of praise for this movie. Where do you put Emma Thompson? Where do you put good luck to you, Leo Grant, in your Oscar category rankings right now? Well, I think the screenplay is probably in my top ten uh, original screenplays there. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily – I think other people are a bit higher on it. I gave the movie a solid B86. I think I reviewed it on an ORC in the past, but we didn't focus on it because I thought it was just Emmy eligible. But right. now – I got to tell you, Emma Thompson, she's probably fourth in my lead actress category with wow. some some caveats here. I think Rebecca Hall from Resurrection will not get the Academy love because that movie is kind of abrasive. Right. I would say Michelle Yeoh is probably out front along with Kiki Palmer from Nope. But Kiki Palmer from Nope, we've heard, might get pushed to supporting. At least that's been some scuttlebutt there. Uh, otherwise, I got Anna Jopp from Nanny and... I mean, Emma Thompson's right there in my top five. That's just movies I've seen thus far, performances I've seen thus far. So, yeah, she, you have to consider her a contender as of now, I would say. Uh, we've seen this time and again, Michael, where you think all of your picks are going to be taken off the board early, right? But then we see the rest of the movies, and no, they, they're not necessarily going to fall off the board if the performance is that strong, and she's really great in it. Yeah, you're uh, you're singing to the choir there. A couple other trusted names I know have spoken highly about Emma Thompson's before. Eric Weber was high on it. Clayton Davis was high on it. I've not seen it yet, but you know, Hulu, I, Hulu, is, you can watch it. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, this okay. is something I got I got to get to now. That the the Ron Howard movie, which I just refuse to watch. I'm just being obstinate and stubborn <laughs> at this point. Maybe maybe just to aggravate your mother. I haven't decided if that's why I'm doing that yet, but uh -huh. that's it's in play. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, uh, in terms of contender news, we have a Knives Out 2 update. It was just announced today as we record this on the 22nd that Knives Out 2 will be coming to Netflix on a holiday, just not the holiday that we originally thought. It will not be coming out Thanksgiving week. It will instead be dropping on Netflix December 23rd. Knives Out, uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery is coming to Netflix on that date. 
uh, there's going to be a limited theatrical release beforehand, which is TBA at the moment, Mike. Right. So we did say, we did say that it was either going to be Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, it's weird that when you're wrong about something, I get roped into it. <laughs> we, uh, you and me, I, I do include us uh-huh. both. Yeah. Right. When I'm, yeah, I think I inhaled exactly when you were right. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. We. Uh, but I, I loop you in when that's the no, case. No, I, I mean, it was, a, it was a good suggestion by you, right? Because, I mean, the I last, said Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. I the said last three years, that's when that's been Netflix's week. To be that's fair, I did say. Original. To be fair, I did say Thanksgiving or Christmas, but yeah. I, yeah, I think the Christmas murder in Greece, Knives Out 2, <laughs> sure, I can't wait. Uh, a a quote-unquote limited release doesn't give us much confidence that the film will get that full 45-day theatrical window, though, as many were projecting Netflix might try for why this particular Netflix, film. But why would Netflix do that? They're not. That didn't no. make sense from the. That would that would be the antithesis of their entire existence. Well, they're gonna have ads. They're gonna put you know one episode out a week on other things, and they're kind of breaking their models all all elsewhere. So everybody's thinking that they're without any principles now, and they're not gonna stick to making original movies for big budgets that just play for Netflix because they know that there is value to Netflix when they have exclusive content on Netflix. That's that's the value. I mean, so they've made money on this in the past but it yeah. has to be on netflix i just especially i mean to do that in a year where theaters are going to be so down historically comparatively anyway like we just talked about or at the top of this episode i don't know why netflix would 45 i mean maybe like a 20 day run a two week run i could see i don't even think they would do that nationwide though. no they're going to do what they've been doing they, yeah. they it might have more theaters and tip what's typical but they're going to put it out three weeks early very limited might grow a little bit from there, and yeah, Cinemark near us will have it if we're lucky. That's it. If they're open at the time. Yeah, let's get on to the fun part, though. <laughs> fun part of so, this episode. Yeah, this is this is how you know the difference between I preparing episodes and Mike preparing episodes are about to be revealed in full force. As we talk about the New York Film Festival, they announced their lineup in full. So... Let's talk about this. Now, you have some festival-going plans this fall revolving around September 30th's New York Film Festival. We're going to go over the full lineup here. You've picked 10 films that you're targeting to see, and because you wrote this segment, Mike, you're also going to describe several menu items at PJ Clark's that you're going to pair with these films, essentially. Yeah, we're not going to necessarily count down these films or these menu <laughs> items in any particular order. You don't want to offend love the menu. I get it. I, I love them all equally as of now, but I'm, I'm op- I have an open mind because you never know mm-hmm. what you'll love, and yeah. you could go in hyping up a certain thing, but then you'll enjoy something else. But but yes, PJ Clark meals and New York Film Festival films. You'll kind of fill in other. Other movies that we, we've been previewing up till now and kind of give the, the audience a sense of the the overall slate. And go to filmlink.org to check it out. Uh, but, yeah, this is kind of going to be a fun segment for us to kind of get into the fall film festival mood. Uh, the the when I first opened the doc for this episode, I was scrolling down. The first thing I saw was in giant, like 50 size font 
Parmesan truffle fries. Yeah. So this is where this segment Come. is going. Yeah, it's All so right. good. Let's dive into it here. We'll begin. <laughs> we'll refer to two of the featured films, Noah Baumbach's White Noise. That's going to be, like we said previously, New York Film Festival's opening night film. Is that on your list? Yes, White Noise is on my list. Hopefully my brother and I can see it together. In fact, we're planning to go that last Saturday. And last year they replayed the three features uh, that day, the opening night centerpiece and uh, closing night film. So mm -hmm. I had seen... Well, not that Dune was one of these, but I had seen The Power of the Dog and The Tragedy of Macbeth on that particular day, so I'm hoping to enjoy that with my brother. I think because it's such a big event film, I will go with and target the center cut filet mignon, mm. the Rockefeller butter blistered green beans with garlic butter. for. Oh, yeah, it's, it's pricey, $46, but yeah, let's go. So is PJ, like, I feel like PJ Clark's is Hogwarts and that is just, it's constantly moving around on the inside. Staircases are, you're never where you thought. Is it a, a steakhouse or is it a burger joint? It's both. It's like a, it's an American cuisine joint. Um, but they do a, like a raw bar. So it's seafood, steak and seafood, essentially. But they, they got great burgers, too. It's like the oldest restaurant in New York. Like all the comedians go there. Like you'll, go, you'll walk in there and you'll recognize like, these guys who are comedians and you know uh, and they're on they have netflix specials all the times and your name you you're like who's that guy and i just feel cool to be close to them eating roquefort butter i laugh yeah even roquefort <laughs> butter cut filet mignon no I, I i don't really go for the pricey items but if i'm there with my brother that day for you the big movie yeah. you, i may splurge yeah, yeah you I have may, to may do it. you have to do it at least once. who cares right. so, you know, like a 150 dollar check that day that's not a big why deal. not yeah right. make your brother pay uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago, we hyped up the NYFF centerpiece, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Uh, we said that would be a possible documentary feature contender, but you want to see that somewhere else. Yeah, I'm a member of the IDA, and I usually go in for several documentary festivals later in the fall, so I'm not necessarily going to focus on documentaries here. There are a bunch that I want to see. Is that black enough for you? Uh, India has a film that might actually beat out RRR. Uh, oh, for wow. the, the international selection, so That'd I'm very upset, curious. No? That would be an upset, but the, India is not necessarily all about RRR as its selection because there's definitely like a political rift there. I mean, the, there's hmm. you know history says that Gandhi did quite a lot in that uh, <laughs> in that fight for freedom. Not he just rings the, a bell, yeah. right? Right. So anyway, we do have some some differing opinion, opinions there from India, but that's what the New York Film Fest is very cool about. You get a lot of doc feature contenders, you get a lot of international feature contenders, uh, but I'm going to go for more narrative features, I would say. All right. Let's we'll talk about the opening night film. Let's talk about the closing night film. The inspection. Is that on your list? Yes, absolutely. We have a premise from the Film Link website here. Elegance Bratton has made his ambitious narrative debut with The Inspection, a knockout drama based on his own experiences as a gay man in Marine Corps basic training following a decade of living on the streets. In a breathtaking first cinematic starring role, Tony and Emmy-nominated actor Jeremy Pope is run through an emotional and physical gauntlet as a young man dealing with the intimidation of a sadistic sergeant, played by Bokeem Woodbine, his desire for a sympathetic superior, played by Raul Castillo, and his complicated feelings toward the mother, who rejected him, a revelatory Gabrielle Union. The inspection is an A24 release, so if nothing else, that last sentence there should highlight some green flags in a lot of people's minds. 
Yeah, the inspection was a inspired selection here, Mike. We were not expecting this to be the closing nighter. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited that this could be uh, an Oscar contender coming off, you know, coming out of nowhere a little bit. But look, I mean, depending on how sad it is, I'll probably just drink afterwards okay. and avoid the post-film meal. But if I have not made this clear, I, I you know, 17 Guinnesses at pj clark's which is probably what this premise deserves because it sounds like a bummer of a premise even though i'm gonna see it turn into that's a pricey. salt from willy wonka the blueberry blow up with 17 guinea gonna roll you down that's a Fifth pricey Avenue. that's a pricey <laughs> tag probably more expensive than the so i may have to go a little harder but uh I, look i don't always drink beer michael but when i do mm-hmm no Dos Equis, Guinness. That's just, I don't know why. I'm an eighth Irish. That's all I've been drinking lately. Can you it's pour just me like a glass a of the Roquefort butter, please? It's a work of arc, art, uh, or arc. But when when the Roquefort butter, butter steak is there, and you have the cascading Guinness in its, uh, in its beautiful glass, my goodness. Wow. Getting what are we hungry. Talking about? What are we talking about? I have another movie. Do seven. have do have meals associated with these next few can films heading to New York. A24's After Sun is on the list. We've talked about this one starring Paul Mescal, Francesca Corio, Michael. Yeah, Roast Turkey Club. Smoked okay. bacon, tomato jam, Asiago, mm. uh, dill mayonnaise, mm. romaine whole grain toast, Twenty one fifteen for a price there because After Sun is about a vacation in the country of Turkey, and I don't... I don't very, understand very international. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done by you. That's, that's three films down. White Noise, The Inspection After Sun. What about Park Chan-wook's decision to leave? It may or may not be about werewolves. I don't know if there's a werewolf-adjacent item on P.J. Clark's menu. <laughs> uh, I think I'm getting there, but I'm really hoping I can find a way to see Decision to Leave at the festival. My brother and I have uh, spent the past month... Like every Sunday, we've been watching and rewatching South Korean films, which is really fun. We've been bonding over this. We watched I Saw the Devil on your recommendation. We started with that one. It was insane. You're welcome. Uh, we watched <laughs> The Host this past week. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago, we watched A Bittersweet Life, which everybody ranked as a very uh, good action movie. And there is a flaming trash can sequence that is the craziest effing thing you ever saw. Huh. By the way, oh my right. God! So that, that wasn't as good of a movie as these others, but A Bittersweet Life has a flaming trash can sequence fight. It's ludicrous. But then there's the gangster, the cop, and the devil, which was perfectly on our speed. Me and me and Daniel there, also Daniel, I should call him. But we're saving <laughs> some of the Park Chan Wook films for closer to the festival. I, sure. we've already seen a bunch of those already, so we want to rewatch a couple of uh, a couple more there. But yeah, if you want to come with, uh, I'd even tolerate tolerate your slow. Mall Walker ass uh, around the gonna, opera house. I think I'm going to shock you next time we walk somewhere because my <laughs> gait has always been pretty quick. Is it? Yeah. Is it now? But the, here's the thing. you got to be ready for this. Like, we're going to get off in Grand Central. we got a whole ass <laughs> to the red train. Or, I'm sorry. we got a whole ass to the, to the shuttle and then the red train. That's probably the most walking you're going to do, just getting to the subways. Mm. Once we're there, everything is just in a square block. We don't have to walk very far. Nice. I do. I am intimidated by the New York subway system and how it's just like um, um, I don't know how you've mastered that. I guess living there for the time you had had to have yeah. something to do with that. But man, it's I'm much more comfortable in a car that I can drive. 
Uh, I hear you. It's just a $60 parking if, we're, if yeah, you're right, lucky. Right, if you can find a spot to begin with, yeah. And it's a pain in the ass to get in there. And you might mm. be on in traffic going over 95 right. to, to Route 9 there. It's, it's, it sucks. Right. So who knows if we get to the screening on time. And I cannot not be early enough to go to P.J. Clark's. Do you understand <laughs> right. this? Because what's, the, for dis- what's the pairing? Yeah, the Cadillac burger. Uh, I think you got to go with a rare burger here because it might be a werewolf I movie. see what you're doing. Okay. Double-smoked country bacon, American cheese, tomato, lettuce, onion, $23, the Cadillac. It's a great name. I think you name something the Cadillac, it becomes like at least 10% more appealing just on its face. I like delicious, that. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah. It's, ba- it's a bacon cheeseburger, but they call it the Cadillac, and it makes it infinitely more appealing than if it was a bacon cheeseburger on the menu. That's correct. Yeah. I'm down. Good choice. Their burgers are so damn good. Oh, my God. That, that's what I would recommend. If like you're going there for the first time, you don't got to spend $50 on a steak. Just get one of their burgers. You'd be happy. What about a glass of Rockford butter? <laughs> I'd lo- I would love to see you order that. I you would- drink that, and you're in your own triangle of sadness, which is the next movie <laughs> from Ruben Oslin, starring Woody Harrelson and Harris Dickinson, distributed by Neon. The new poster's out, Mike, and it's a woman projectile vomiting, which is also seen within the trailer itself. We did get that trailer. Many characters seem like they're about to throw up. We had... What seems to be on first watch, just a naked woman flopping to the ground and sliding off. But I think she's in a bodysuit. Crazy, crazy trailer. Yeah, I should beware of eating anything before this film, but that's (laughs) nonsense. I'll have the lobster roll. Oh, you're disgusting. Steamed lobster meat, warm brioche. You could choose classic Maine, light mayonnaise, lemon and chive, or Connecticut-style melted butter. I've had the Connecticut style. It's very good. Uh, It's $35. Uh, Can I tell you? I have had... More lobster rolls this summer than I think mm-hmm. I've had like breaths of air. My parents, oh, they every summer they're just like fiends about going to random places in Connecticut just to try the lobster rolls, whether it's like a food truck or like a restaurant or a place. This is not a bad place. thing. This uh, is good. Well, it's it's not until your cholesterol is like nine eighty, you know. <laughs> so the butter, the right. butter is what's in your veins right now. Right. You just don't even have blood. It's just. Exactly. I can't believe after seeing that trailer, your first thought is, you know, I can go for some seafood right now. (laughs) A man's got to eat. A man's got to eat. But all right, we watch this trailer. It's a monster. We start at a men's fashion audition with some jokes. We head over to a yacht where we meet meet a bunch of staffers and we meet meet a bunch of wealthy billionaires. Characters don't like to hear the word no. Got all these (laughs) goofy jokes worked in then. And then all of a sudden... There's a storm outside. There's debates raging amongst the crew and the passengers. And everybody's standing on a tilt while everything falls and crashes around them until we know that the thing's going to go under. And they wash up on a beach where apparently it'll be Lord of the Flies, where the staffers (laughs) take charge of the billionaires. And we got this crazy-ass movie, yet another crazy-ass movie from Ruben Ostland that uh, he's going to scream about on awards stages the the thought i had when watching this trailer was this was if as if james cameron told you and i to write the screenplay for titanic <laughs> yeah maybe swell maybe swell with us right like, it's got that like deadpan woody harrelson smiling but dead in the eyes and having to put up with this high society who's not listening to him anyway telling him to wash the sails ma'am i don't think we can wash the sails as this is a motorized vessel <laughs> oh but uh but they go on and on and he's like okay well we'll, we'll wash, wash we'll wash in the that sails. case we'll yeah. wash the sails sure and she just goes away it's like yeah mr burns humor <laughs> from the simpsons right. exactly. 
I can't wait. I can't wait to see this film. I know that this filmmaker is particularly vexing, though, so I will send out a warning. Like, he'll mm. make a three-hour movie, and he'll do one of these Seth MacFarlane things. We'll just let a scene play out way too long on purpose <laughs> just to piss you off as an audience member, just to get, like, you know, he's very confrontational. What's the word? Uh, provocative. Mm-hmm. He's a provocateur for sure. Polarizing, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Uh, makes sense. I I am excited to see that. I am horrified and disgusted by your thought to go right to seafood after seeing (laughs) how much vomiting is interlaced within this movie. That doesn't bother me. For whatever reason, it's never really bothered me. I could watch somebody blow chunks in a bucket and I could just eat a lobster roll. I won't have an issue. Eating a loaded hot dog right over them as they throw (laughs) (laughs) Ah, sucks for you. Uh, that's not the only movie going to NYFF by way of can. We also have Armageddon Time from James Gray. Uh, that's from Focus Features, Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, and Anthony Hopkins. We've. I feel like Armageddon Time is akin mm-hmm. to, what was that other one, that island movie that we previewed forever? Oh. It was a writer's name. Tim Roth was in it. Oh, Bergman Island. Yes, yeah, Bergman which is Island. Very good, by the way. Yes, which we previewed a thousand times. We on this did show. Armageddon time. Armageddon this time's is getting there. Nine hundred nine nine hundred ninety ninth time. Yes, we previewed it. You're right. <laughs> Corsage, starring Vicky Crafts, will also be there. As will Ennis Men. It's an indie hit from Cannes. It's picked up by Neon EO, which is the one we've talked about about a donkey. <laughs> It'll be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one fine morning from Mia Hansen. Love also there starring uh, Leah Seydoux. R M N. Christian Minju, uh, Munju, Munju. I don't know Munju. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my money on Munju. I think Munju is the way to say it. Sorry, Christian. If we're wrong about that, please reach out to us, Christian. We'll correct the record there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kelly Reichardt showing up, which is a comedy with Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams, (laughs) which is not a sentence that makes sense to me. Having seen both Kelly Reichardt and Michelle Williams work in the past, but okay. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Stars at Noon from Claire Denis, starring Margaret Qualley, will be there as well. Uh, also playing at NYFF from Venice, Toronto, Sundance, etc. Uh, we've already previewed Tar, but that's on your list, Mike. Yeah, starring Kate Blanchett as this uh, orchestra conductor. It's my sixth film, and I don't know why, but I'm going with the crunchy chicken sandwich. This is Japanese pickles, Dijon aioli, shredded mm. lettuce, toasted Portuguese roll, 1949. For whatever reason. Yeah. For whatever reason, their chicken sandwich is phenomenal. I really liked it the last time. I did I, I went all out and I did like mac and cheese with it because I was like, oh, this is my this is my comfort food. This is the one. This is the one where I pick out. <laughs> this is <laughs> as opposed to the forty dollar butter. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the one where I really go hog. But for whatever reason, if I'm going to see a foo foo movie about a woman just blowing smoke out of her face for forty minutes, what, how long is that scene? Going to David Lynch scene? No, it's just going to be this movie about this conductor. Can I, I can tell you exactly. Well, that's exactly why you're picking, whether it's subconscious or not. You're picking the chicken sandwich because I picture you sitting down at the bar and you're doing like the wavy fingers waiting for as you see the chicken sandwich coming towards you. And that's essentially you're conducting your own orchestra there with your fingers. <laughs> I will do exactly this. And I hope you're next to me when we do this. We'll order it. <laughs> Kate Blitch, yeah. We'll sit there. We'll just be the two psychopaths 
waving our fingers at the man bringing us a chicken sandwich. Oh, my God. We've also previewed previously playing in New York. No Bears from Jafar Panahi. Master Gardener from Paul Schrader. That's starring Joel Edgerton and Sigourney Weaver. The Eternal Daughter playing from Joanna Hogg. That's her film school buddy. Tilda Swinton will be in that, which we've previewed as well. And Descendant from Margaret Brown is a documentary from the Obamas. You already saw and you enjoyed this one at Sundance. Yes, yes, very good. Descendant's going to be a uh, contender there for sure. Uh, otherwise, we have four uh, films announced in the spotlight section that I want to highlight. Till is going to be the first one from Chinyonye uh, Chukwu. Danielle Deadweiler's already getting some buzz uh, in the lead actress category. Jalen Hall, Sean Patrick Thomas, Frankie Frazan, Whoopi Goldberg, Haley Bennett. This is from MGM. But this movie, Till, is coming to theaters on October 7th which is in the middle of the festival. So it's getting like this special premiere, but it's not necessarily something, you know, that you can't see in theaters a week later. So I'm going to go with Bones and All, Michael. Makes sense. Something you can only see at New York before it does a debut, but Bones and All from Luca Guadagnino. That stars Timothy Chalamet, Taylor Russell, Andre Holland, Chloe Sevigny, Mark Rylance, Jessica Harper, who is obviously horror royalty from Suspiria, as we've talked about, Michael Stuhlbarg as well in that. This is from MGM. Bones and All, uh, we've talked about it's a horror, maybe love story kind of behind it. it. What are you going to pair with Bones and All for PJ Clark's? Well, I doubt I'll be able to eat meat after this movie is probably about cannibals or vampires <laughs> or something. Right. So this is where I'll go with the Parmesan truffle fries. Uh, I see. Okay. All right. Parmesan cheese dusting, parsley, $9. They just give you the essence of a great meal. Uh, the, the essences. They don't like. They don't need to do much else. Parmesan mm-hmm. cheese, dusting, parsley, $9. Yeah. Parmesan truffle fries. Truffle is another one of those things. I mean, even if you don't like it, I feel like you have to – it just classes up by being on the menu. You know you're in a higher established place with being around truffle in any have kind you, of – Yeah, you should watch the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage. I'm not going to do that. You've refused <laughs> to do this. This is another – refusal by you but yes right, you should correct oh well, as long as we're on the same page <laughs> she said is something on your list michael right it's heading to new york film uh the new york film festival spotlight section and we thought it would be uh via ann thompson there this she said is from director maria schrader and universal pictures star zoe kazan uh, carrie mulligan patricia clarkson andre brower samantha morton and jennifer ale Look, I, I think we all need a stiff drink before yeah. or after watching this one. So I'm going to try a Maker's Handmade Whiskey Sour. Mm. This is Maker's Mark Fresh Lemon Honey Syrup Amarena Cherry. I don't know what that is. And, or, and an orange slice. I uh, can't read good. Apparently, no. But two yeah. thoughts. Two you thoughts. You need a stiffer there. drink. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm surprised your pairing isn't like you know a nicotine addiction in a punching bag with right. the content of what she said is going to be. Uh, yeah. And secondly, she said, obviously, the the Harvey Weinstein reporting movie. We've, we previewed it. We talked about the trailer. We both think it's going to be an Oscars player in a couple big categories. Yeah. Um, Whiskey Sour is responsible for what I think is one of the greatest jokes in movie history and it's something okay. that stuck with me forever. And it was in uh, There's Something About Mary where one of the first meetings between Matt Dillon's character and Ben Stiller's character, they're at, they meet at this like Oceanside bar, and Matt Dillon orders a whiskey sour from this old grumpy waiter bartender, and yeah. the guy comes back and just gives him a Budweiser. And Matt, <laughs> Matt Dillon's like, hey, I ordered a whiskey sour. And the bartender's just like, meh. 
and walks away. <laughs> that's a good joke. Yeah. So so, and that stuck with me. So I, I agree. I approve of your decision there is what I'm getting at. Peter Farrelly. All yeah. right. Women talking is another movie there. We have the wrong tone in our voice yeah. right now. Go ahead. Absolutely. Women, especially for these two movies. Yeah, no of doubt. Uh, this was added to the New York Film Festival spotlight section. This is from Sarah Polly and MGM. Francis McDormand, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, and Ben Wishaw star. What's going with this one? You got to drink. Again, these movies yeah. are too heavy not to not drink. So I'm going to go with the smoky old-fashioned. Elijah Craig, Small Batch Bourbon, mm. Walnut and Angostura Bitters, Sugar Cube, Orange Half Moon, Amarena Cherry. Oh, it's a type of cherry. I'm Actual idiot. Sugar Cubes. Uh, this is a classy-ass joint, PJ Clarks. But look, I'm going to be hungry if I see both of these movies on the same day. So the country chicken pot pie oh, yeah. is also in play. Yeah. So you're not just going to drink, but I, a man's got to eat. Buttermilk cheddar crust, oh. rich broth, farm vegetables, 24.75. I've been eyeing this one up for years. I never order it for some reason, but I probably should. So the chicken pot pie, it's about... Like Mennonite women, I'm sure they made chicken pot pie, or at least well, I, was gonna I say, will think they did. Yeah, between those two movies, you could ask them to like burn in a man's face on the crust so you can just like stab it with your spoon after all Good. the anger you'll have induced from seeing those two movies. That's gonna, is that going to be a double feature for you? I don't know, but it could be. I'm going to go gonna for like rough. I'm going to go five days. I'm probably going to see more than one movie, and every every day I shoot in. Ugh. I mean, it's not that long. It's like an hour and a half to to get into the city. So it's not like forever to no, for me to get sit, there. So I mean, I can sitting shoot through in. that content back to back is going to be heavy. Which she yes. said, and that's talk. why you got to eat something yeah. and you got to drink something. Yeah. All right, hydrate. Uh, makes sense. I, I approve your pairings thus far. We have. One more intriguing film at New York uh, we've yet to preview, hopefully representing many of the discoveries we all hope to have at any festival, Michael. You're picking the movie Scarlet. This is from Italian filmmaker Pietro Marcello of Martin Eden. Martin Eden was an awesome film, uh, awesome Italian film a couple years back. Uh, and Scarlet's got a plot premise that reads, beginning as the tale of a sensitive brute, Raphael Terry, who returns home, played by Raphael Terry, who returns home from World War I to his rural French village to discover his wife has died and that he must take care of their baby daughter, Juliet. The film blossoms into a pastoral portrait of Juliet as the free-spirited young woman, played by Juliet Juan, uh, reckoning with a, a local witch's prophecy for her, her future and falling for a modern man, Luis Garel of Little Women, by the way, who literally drops from the sky. So that took a hard left. A couple of hard turns in that premise alone, by the way. And this guy can handle it. Pietro Marcello of Martin Eden. Again, another you know international filmmaker making a, a film outside his native country there. And I got to end this P.J. Clark segment. Or what are we? Are we talking about movies too? Anyway, this P.J. <laughs> Clark segment with the baked macaroni and cheese, probably my favorite thing on the menu. This has smo smoked bacon and peas in it. Uh, I just love it so much. The entree is an afterthought. I'll pick something, but I I love their pasta here, and I'll go with pasta dish from an Italian film. Peas and a mac and cheese? You gotta try it. It's not really? a big dish, so don't get, like, it's twelve fifty for a very small, a relatively small portion, but it's, like, you order it on the side of the burger, I would say. Like, mm -hmm. if you're going once, I would recommend 
and you get one of the burgers and you get the mac and cheese as a side dish. That's All what right. I would recommend. All right. Well, there you, you go. Have, you have a the, Guinness or an Old Fashioned, yeah. The full-fledged New York Film Festival rundown with, if you have the time and you want to, you need something to eat, if you got a grumbling in your tumbling... Go check out PJ Clark's. Also, Mike did a wonderful job of breaking down all the a bunch of great options for really decent prices too. I will say, I'm not, I mean, we're not sponsored by PJ Clark's or anything, but uh, having just looked at this menu for the first time myself, I'm pretty impressed by what they're offering here. Not Good too job bad, you, right? Michael. Yeah, it's not too bad. I found it. I was shocked that it wasn't more expensive. Yeah, and yeah, I'm in. I'm in uh, to go there every single time between every single screening if I can. <laughs> uh, we do want to touch on one trailer before we head out of here in a relatively quicker episode today, and that's the greatest beer run ever from Peter Farrelly, Apple TV Plus. This is coming September 30th over to the streamer, I believe. If not, that's the theatrical date. Zach Efron, Bill Murray, Russell Crowe. Mike, this is winning Best Picture, isn't it? Damn it. I'm so frustrated. It looks so good. <laughs> it looks, it looks good. It, and, and it's like I said in the pre production I mean, the frustration comes from Peter Farrelly and his... his Come in the, touch. The, the, yeah, <laughs> the frustration he incites in me as a filmmaker with his messaging. And we saw that on full display in full bloom with Green Book, which went on to win Best Picture, which we've had such a frustrating time in dealing with. Uh, knowing that the Academy, that se- section of the Academy is still so alive and well and powerful within the Academy. He says so many right things in his films and in his messaging when he tackles yeah. serious subjects, but then he goes way too far or he ends up taking a hard left turn or a hard right turn to a message that doesn't make sense and shouldn't be. And then he's gets on stage after winning an award and he's like, you're welcome for solving racism. Right, right. <laughs> This you know, is going to be the definitive opus on the Vietnam War, yeah. apparently. No, I I hope it's it's a fun film that has some substance and gravitas to it. Zach Efron, there's a lot of jokes attached to his character. I mean, it's loaded with comedy. It's loaded right. with subtext about, you know, being a young person and finding your way and feeling hopeless. In it. Like, there's a lot of relay- relatability built in. But, God damn it, Peter Farrelly is this guy. I told you in the pre-production. Peter Farrelly is the guy you talk to at a party. And you think you're making, like, all this commonality and relatability with, right? And he's mm-hmm. saying, he's like, man, this world is just too separate. We got we to gotta come together, you know? We got we to gotta find peace. There needs to be more progress. And you're made. nodding we, your head. We need mm-hmm. more. And you're like, yes, this guy gets it. And then at the very end, he's like, and that's why we need more cops. And you're like, no, goddamn, you're right there. <laughs> like, you said all this right stuff. Don't. That's not where you should land. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it, Here's the hope. Like, the trailer does go through these peaks and valleys where you think it's going to go full right wing full you know centrist and you know you got this character just trying to bring beer to his buddies and then it's like oh this is there's a lot of you know shades of gray going on over here maybe we all shouldn't be you know applauding and you got the russell crowe character who's a journalist and you know telling him that you know this there's uh it's harder to get out of wars than to get in them kind of thing and Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean it seems like there's some there's some good moralizing going on we hope but yeah it's probably going to land in some centrist joe biden center that we're all going to be frustrated with at the end of the day (laughs) aren't we and i mean it's it's going to be funny it's going to be a guy movie it's i just worry that it's going to go full bro movie on us all no well, if it does do that, then I think it takes itself out of any kind of Oscars consideration, doesn't you it? You would think this. Yeah, that's true. But that's true. then again, the Academy 
exactly surprised us in the past. I Middle-aged and old elder white dudes trying to relive their youth, yeah. If this movie came out in the 90s, you would say that's a Best Picture nominee, right, from that trailer? I still say it. Like, I still say it could be from what I saw in the trailer, and it's it terrifies me. But, yeah, right. you're absolutely right for that reason. I mean, that's why I think it is. But at the same time, God damn it, doesn't it look intriguing and fun? looks excellent. looks excellent. It's a crazy story. It's a too, too crazy-to-be-true story that based on a book directed by George Clooney and all his charm, right? I'm sorry, P- Peter Farrelly, produced by Clooney? I forget. I'm, I'm getting screwed up. It's with been the, definitely uh, directed by Farrelly, yeah. De- directed by Farrelly. Anyway, forget Clooney. Is George Clooney involved? He I might cannot be. imagine that, Clooney and Farrelly are partners, right? Hold on. Why did I think George Clooney was involved? Am I thinking of the Ben Affleck movie? This is the end of the episode that just becomes <laughs> us looking at IMDb. No, of course. He has nothing to no, do with no, this movie. No Zero. Way. George there's Clooney. No George Clooney would sooner fight Peter Farrelly than he would produce Why did I him. think George Clo- George Clooney and Peter Farrelly got beef? Anyway. I, Peter no, Farrelly he's got beef. would make Michael Clayton, and the, the finale would be Michael Clayton rejoining the organization. <laughs> George Clooney fought David O. Russell. They, like, headbutted each other in real life yes, or something. Yes, on Three yes. Kings. They did not get along. They did Just, not get famously, along. Famously, yes. Famously. But George Clooney somehow entered my mind as involved with the greatest beer run ever, and he is not involved. So I can't. I'm, I don't even that. know. I'm trying to figure. out. I'm trying to relate those synapses firing for you. I don't even know where you would go. I'm talking like <laughs> Bill Murray. Does he have anything to do with George Clooney? Russell Crowe. You know what? It, what it is? They're like in a city from the 19 late 60s, and that Ben Affleck movie that George Clooney did on Amazon with the, his uh, nephew. Yeah, um, Tender Bar. The Tender Bar. I can't believe I pulled that. Good job. Yeah. You saved us another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you saved us me looking up Ben Affleck. <laughs> George Clooney. Although I would like to see the George Clooney-Peter Farrelly collaboration now that we've uh, Yeah, I guess so. Maybe they yeah. should. Yeah. That'll I bring, just assume. I mean, that's how you solve world peace. <laughs> there it is. Zach Efron could be his son. <laughs> All right, guys, hopefully we've informed you, maybe entertained you, and at least, if nothing else, made you hungry throughout this episode. But uh, as always, what matters most to us are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. We want to know what you think about the New York Film Festival selections, the layout there. We want to know what you think about the big Cinemark filing for bankruptcy story. How much have you spent in a theater this year, do you think, Uh, especially compared to maybe if you can remember what you did in 2019 going out to theaters? Are you looking forward to MoviePass coming out? want to know all of that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do and cover here in the MMO Empire. As always, you can leave us any of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts, and especially if you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app. If you enjoy what we do, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, those truly go a long way in helping us out. Thank you to each and every one of you who have done so thus far. Michael, we uh, we finally got back on the horse here, finally got this episode out. Tell the good people what's to come next, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, we're going to finish up our summer Oscars series, I think. We're, we're looking at 3,000 years of longing as maybe just a fun, wacky kind of uh, profile of some sort movie review episode that we can do. If not, we'll cover it in some way for you guys. I, I plan to see that this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to cover the heck out of these film festivals, and that'll be the words of wisdom today. Support your regional, your local 
film festival. These are something. This is something I said in the past, and these are events that are worth uh, partaking in. So go enjoy it, guys. Uh, Tiff made a lot more announcements. Fantastic fest. If you're out there in Austin, they have a lot of Oscar potential movies like The Menu, Banshees of Sharon, Triangle of Sadness, Decision to Leave. They're all going there as well. So, I mean, you can catch a lot of these movies uh, wherever you may be at, at your local spot. And most importantly, I think we're about eight weeks out from uh, the Michael mm-hmm. Myers finale. So, <laughs> yeah, if none of these awards, awards movies do anything for you. We will be the, covering the best Halloween picture. ends. Yeah. yeah, Halloween ends. <laughs> As always, when reality sucks, you can come ramp up for the Oscar sprint with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.